Hello, Texans. Happy weekend. Great to have you with us. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you tonight as rookie camp is underway. We've got a lot to get to schedule out last night. Retirements to talk about in the world of sports media and so much more. Johnny, happy Friday night. How are you? Happy Friday night. It's always uh, good on a Friday to know there's football tomorrow, too. Yeah. A little rookie minicamp. Got to I mean, some people will say, got to work tomorrow. I heard Ernie Johnson say this. He was actually talking at the University of Alabama. He was like, there's a have-to jobs and there's get-to jobs. We have a get-to. We yeah. get to go watch football tomorrow as part of our job. Although so. anchoring that desk with Sir Charles and Kenny yeah. and Shaq is sometimes have-to. It's yeah. sometimes difficult, <laughs> especially this week. Yeah, this past week was kind of interesting, yeah. to say the least. But, yeah, we get to Go watch football. We watched it yesterday or uh, today for a little bit. Um, we'll get to do it tomorrow, too. Okay, so let's start here. People want to hear about rookie camp, and we're going to take you inside the building. Johnny and I are walking out to practice today, and mm -hmm. we're just a few yards behind one C.J. Stroud. That's correct. And now the team during practices in the spring, and I would assume training camp as well, although maybe training camp it's always been there, but they have names on the backs of the jersey. Yes. They never had that during OTAs and certainly not rookie camp. I don't think they had it on, on OTAs. Mark says, I've been around here in 2014. I have not seen a name anywhere on a jersey. Okay. Maybe they had it anywhere. in the early days, but I don't remember. But in any case, just to see C.J. Stroud yeah. walking out to practice, I have to tell you, there was an electricity in the air just doing that for what we do. And it wasn't like I was starstruck or anything, but I just felt this juice. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's get ready. Can we play next Saturday? Yeah. Can we just kick the ball next Saturday? They only need a week to get ready, right? <laughs> yeah. That's plenty of time. <laughs> Let's play football. But it was awesome to see him yeah. out of the field, tossing the ball around, doing some walkthrough stuff with his linemen and his running backs, rookie camp running backs, because there's no Damian Pierce here right now. Correct. This is the rookie camp, guys. But what was your reaction when you saw CJ walking out there? It was kind of that same thing. Um, you know, we've seen... You know, we've been, you've been in the building from the beginning. I got in here in 2014. Like, we've walked behind, around, with J.J. Watt, mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Sean Watson. Like, we've seen those guys. But I think, you know, because in some part because of the way the last few years have gone, there's that surreal nature of seeing C.J. Stroud. I mean, it, it, there's yeah. kind of this surreal nature of seeing, like, okay. And for him, you know, you and I aren't quite fangirling behind him or fanboying behind him, but we're like, there he is. That's the guy. That's yeah. going to be the guy that takes us into the next how many ever years of future of this franchise. Like, that's the future. And this is him walking to his first practice. It was just kind of a it was kind of a neat deal. And again, it was like it was a get to thing, you know, getting to, you know, walk out there. We have that opportunity. It was kind of cool. And then you watch him throw the football on the field for just a little bit. He's just throwing with a coach. Yeah. Uh, and I know there have been tons of videos. I mean, the media out there today. Holy smokes. I, I, I was asked this because I have been around forever. Is this the most I've seen at a rookie camp? Let's just put it this way. I can't remember more. I can't right. remember seeing more than this. And I'm hesitant to say because I know Watson had a lot of people out here during whatever he did as a rookie. And I know that there have been other instances as yep. well. But it just felt like the most. Yep. It really did. There were a lot of TV cameras out here. A yeah, lot ton. of writers. A ton. You know, the usual group. And then you add three times as many, maybe more, and everybody wanted to get a shot of Stroud throwing a football. And yeah. they did. They got they shots. They just of raced over when he went to a second yeah. field or a different field. 
Um, he went. They went over to field one just as they were doing some special teams work. He went over to the other field, and all the cameras just was like a herd of buffaloes, just like yep. just flying by you, just to get a piece. And on the news tonight, what are you going to see? CJ Stroud. It's going to be CJ Stroud. He's probably in the A block of the sports news. He's well, probably you, the number one thing people are talking about tonight. I don't know when all the news shows start. I was on one this morning, by the way, yeah, on Fox Twenty Six. I don't know when they start, but I think four or five in the afternoon. They have a big, huge news block morning and night, these stations, these network affiliates. And I'm sure you've already seen some of that if you watch that stuff. But if not, we're going to give you the audio version. You know who's going to love the way we began this segment? The coaches. Not. <laughs> Guys. <laughs> All the rookies. D'Amico was up there today. Here's the summary of what D'Amico said, which was great. He's, he's such a good talker. And it, there's tremendous charisma when he stands up at the podium. But basically it was, they're all rookies. It's a team. We're mm-hmm. just trying to learn our way around the building, get in and out of the huddle cleanly, learn what they can learn, get through this healthy, and take it from there. And it's true. But here we are gushing about just seeing C.J. Stroud in a Texas uniform. <laughs> which is, which is kind of odd because you and I don't really do that a lot. No, but you, you brought it up. How many picks this high have we seen we saw sting last year cool uh-huh, yeah all right clowny in 14 mm-hmm. you know watson quarterbacks always take on a different light yeah, and yeah, receivers yeah. as right. well when hopkins had his rookie camp there was electricity around that and yeah. he demonstrated we were out there for the whole session a couple of times mm-hmm. and he was making some catches and you could he see was doing his right deandre away. thing yeah you could see it right away out there you know an offensive player just even on air there's just something about it that you're not going to necessarily see from a defensive player although D'Amico was talking about not really remembering his rookie camp well he remembers the spring practices Mm -hmm. and he didn't quite say it like this but it all runs together the spring practices into training camp summer practices but I remember his rookie camp and I remember just noticing how on top of it all he seemed as a defensive player so there's that. Now, we'll see how things progress from here. But it was very cool to see him. And, Johnny, I want to get into him a little bit, of course, because I want to get into this quarterback position group. If they – and, look, they don't want to just anoint C.J. as the guy, but he's a number two pick in the draft. We all right. know where it's going eventually, and we just want to know how soon. I'd like to know right now how soon, please. <laughs> but uh, we get it. They want to highlight the players, the team. The young players, yes, but the players, the team. And so we'll talk about the quarterback position group and what the plans might be at large. But let's talk about some of these rookies that we saw today just briefly. And on the hoof, as you like to say, because we didn't see a ton of action today. It was a very quick practice, actually. But Tank Dell, a lot of people talking about him. I know he's not the second pick for the Texans in this draft. But let's talk about Tank for a moment, the 5'10 wide receiver from UH. 165. What do you make of him to seeing him out here in a uniform on a field you're very familiar with? The thing about it is, for what we saw them do, you'd look out there and go, because how many times have we seen this over the years? A coach is stepping into a drill, you know, they've got to yeah. do scout team. And there's a part of you thinking, if you didn't, if he didn't have a jersey on, you would go, hey, why is that manager running drills? Yeah. Because he, he really is, he's tiny. I mean, he's tiny, but. Then you watch him move. You watch yeah. him run. And we have posted on our, our Twitter account at Houston Texans, the CJ throwing a pass out to Tank. Our guys caught that video, and they put it up there. And it's just a little flat route. But you just think, okay, how many times can that happen? You start getting excited about that. And I think that's the thing, Mark. This, you know, When we think about kind of the trajectory of things over the last few years, I think one of the things 
you know, for, you know, at Energy Stadium, like bringing that juice back. And, and obviously, you know, no pun intended, we are bringing juice scrugs in. But, I mean, the energy, the juice in the building. I think when Tank Dell is on the field, everybody sits up a little straighter. Like, oh, boy, ooh, what could happen? Yeah. Or he's back returning punts. And you see him and you're like, okay, man, something could happen here. I, I saw that at the Senior Bowl. I talked about his routes and all that, but there was a moment. Watching him catch punts today while we were out there made me think about it. At the Senior Bowl, they did a ton of special teams work, which all the scouts love to see the, all these guys that are college all-stars you know, doing all the special teams work. And so they punted him the ball, and he had to back up a little bit. It was windy, and he had to back up and catch the ball. But, Mark, I'm telling you, when he turned the corner with that and headed for the sidelines, he was running at a rate that was so much faster than everybody else. It was it was. It was startling. Like, whoa. And it just struck me as everybody at the Senior Bowl, down on the field, in the stands, they were all watching what he was doing. And they were all sitting up a little bit more like, okay, do that again. I want to see that again. Because it's so special when he gets the ball in his hands. And I think that's what's going to happen for our fans. When they see him, they're going to be like, yo, okay, here it comes. What's he going to do? And people are going to get excited about that. And I think that's the kind of thing that builds and builds and builds that he's on the field. You know he's going to do something. Is I, You know, I comped him to Tutu Atwell. And then I heard somebody say Deshaun Jackson. And I thought, you know what, that might be even better comp, Deshaun Jackson. He's kind of the size of Tutu Atwell. But his play style, everything that he does, how he moves, is very Deshaun Jackson-like. And would you not want Deshaun Jackson in this building? Yeah, please. I mean, would you not want a younger version of him? My gosh. And you think about all the great things Deshaun Jackson has done in his career and what a deep threat he was. Still playing. How great he was on punt returns. And now you've got a younger version of that. It can so, set this place off. Sign me up. Sign yeah. me up. Uh, let's go defense here for a moment. Will Anderson Jr., you know, Brandon Hill, uh, Dylan Horton. I want to talk about these guys a little bit. Any initial takeaways? Henry Toa Toa? Toa Toa is thicker than I expected. I mean, his his trunk and legs, I mean, it's what I do, so I just I just dive right in. I mean, his butt legs, I mean, he's a thick guy kind of downstairs, which I wasn't expecting. I mean, he's only 227. But when you're thick downstairs and you can, you know, kind of fight through the chaos and kind of work your way through all of that, um, I think that's really, really helpful. So Toa Toa, I've been asked a few times up in the cafeteria this week by some of our Texans, uh, Texans family here, how do you say his name? I'm like, it's Toa Toa. Oh, I've seen You'll it. You'll get it. It's I've Toa seen Toa. it butchered so many times. Yeah. I've heard it butchered so many yeah. times. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, excited about, I'm excited about him. Um, Dylan Horton is, as, you know, as I like to say, he's interesting on the hoof because you look at him and go, man, long arms, 6'5". You watch him move around, and he's pretty fluid for a guy that size. And that just gets me kind of excited. And I, I've said that if D'Amico was going to have kind of his replica Charles Amenahu, that's Dylan Horton. Okay. I Good. don't know that he'll be as productive, but very similar skill sets, kind of similar builds. And D'Amico would use him, Amenahu, at in San Francisco. They would move him inside. But th- what they would do... With Charles, is they would get in pass rush situations. So first of all, your run game, your run defense has got to be top notch. So you got to get him in third and nine, third and ten, that kind of thing. Then you pin your ears back. Well, what he would do with Amenahu, he would move him to the inside, but he would get him really wide. So he'd get him really wide on the inside, and so he would get essentially a two way go on the guard. 
by getting him that wide because the guard would have to get all the way out there. By getting all the way out there, and then he's got a wide defensive end out there, he's got all this room to work against the guard. Well, Menahu, we saw it. Kansas City game, 2019, he just ate that up. That's what D'Amico did with Menahu. I think that's what he'd like to do with Dylan Horton and sees maybe a role like that for him in the future. Now, I think Dylan's going to play on the outside. He sets the edge really well in the run game. But the opportunity to move him inside when you have when you have four guys you're going to rush, you want to get one of those defensive ends and move him inside and get a mismatch on a guard. And maybe that's what his role is for his career because that's what it was for a man who out in San Francisco. It turned into him getting a bunch of money to go to Kansas City. Maybe that's what Dylan Horton's able to do too. What about Will in a Texans uniform? It's still surreal. It's surreal. We, we had a guy who worked here and loved him to death. And so I was walking out of the building. This was, this was uh, two years ago. It was two years ago. Walking out of the building, and uh, he just says to me, Hey, Jay, uh, let me give you one name. I was like, okay. Will Anderson Jr. And he said it to me as if I didn't know who it yeah. was. And he goes, that's who I want here, man. That's who we need here. Well, I found out after the fact that he was a big Alabama fan, but Will Anderson Jr. And so when things weren't going all that great, I figured, well, look, we're not going to get Will Anderson Jr. because we're going to have to we're going to have to draft a quarterback. Yeah. So probably not going to be able to get Will Anderson and a quarterback. And we got Will Anderson and a quarterback. And so seeing him out there and just seeing him move around, he's I think this whole thing about, well, he's not that big. He's not Man, you see him standing up next to some of these guys, and you're like, he he holds his own size-wise. I'm not worried about that at all. He's listed at 243. Uh, no. Okay. No. He's heavy. He's heavier than that, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Not in a bad way. It's not like he went to you know Waffle House and threw down five waffles this morning, smothered and covered. That sounds you know, good. It does sound good, but he he didn't he. No, I don't think he's doing that. But I think he's closer to 250 range, okay. which is fine. And, and the thing is. You know it, Mark, as well as anybody. You've seen all kinds of guys play on the edge here. If you 240, 270. If you're 270 and soft but versus you're 240, but you are football violent, I'll take that all day every day. Of course. Day. Of I'll course. take it all day it's every day. It's how you play, not your right. weight, but it exactly. does factor in. No it does. question. But it's cool to see him. And Brandon Hill, the safety from Pitt, he's – a, a little bit bigger than I thought. When I saw him on a film, I thought he was like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, he's, he's close to six foot, yeah. but he's thick. He's thick. Yeah, I was really impressed with his, with his body type, but he's got to know, and I would think he would, special teams, that's your ticket. Special teams is your ticket right now. Right. Right now. Your seventh-round pick. And when I heard his phone call, his draft phone call, I got the feeling that he already knew that. He knows. I got to go in and do whatever I got to do to get on this field. And I think that's something that you're going to get from him. But he is a rock-hard hitter. I mean, he will jar our teeth when he they're, hits They're going to like that, and Frank Ross yes. is going to love that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so some of these college free agents, all right? We've talked about them a little bit. Uh, actually, before we get to those, other offensive players. What am I doing? Juice. What am I doing? All right, well, I'll get to the lineman in a minute. You know, I'm going to stick with the uh, skill people here, so let's do it with – it's Xavier, not Xavier Hutchinson, I'm hearing. He wants the eggs. He wants the eggs. Two eggs over easy. Xavier Hutchinson, rookie from Iowa, thoughts. State. Iowa State. Oh, they have Iowa listed oh, here. But yeah, I, know it's Iowa. I knew it was Iowa State. Yeah, you knew he was cycling. Um, yeah, that was a – 
That was a Ron Burgundy moment. Anyways, the I watched him during um, just kind of stretching and moving around, and they were doing. I tell people this all the time, and I don't know what to call. They're just kind of walking through things, and they're walking through some plays, and so he's lining up, and he'll kind of jog through his route as they kind of go through the play and the play call and all that. And I'm watching him move around, and then as he walks, as he comes back to the huddle, I mean, you can see in the the program it says six two. 205, 6'3", The combine, he was 6'2", 203, I think is what it was. Either way, that's good size for a receiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really good size for a receiver. And then you see him move. And I said to Sean Pendergast, I said, he's going to mess around and get a triple-double. He's going to mess around and be one of the top three receivers on his team. Okay. I think, yeah, he's a six-rounder, and I get excited about rookies and all that, and I don't want to put a ton of pressure on him. He's kind of the same way. He needs to just come in, put his head down, where, do I, where can I contribute right away? If I'm not getting on the field and, and catching balls right away, where do I, I got to do it on special teams? How do I do it on special teams? What can I do? Can I be a gunner? Can I be a gunner uh, uh, defender? Where can I make an impact? But I got a feeling that guy is going to continue to make an impression. I, I think he's going to be the Damian Pierce of this group. I know Damian Ooh. won the fourth round. He won the sixth round. I get it. There's probably 100 oh, picks like in between. Though. But that's the kind of guy I think he could end up being where you're like, man, you don't – you don't end last year going in. I mean, I know John McClain said he was going to rush for a thousand yards because the, the running backs, it wasn't just, it just wasn't a great class of running backs. He would have, though. And he would have. And he was right. John was right. And I think, but that, he was really the only one to kind of put those expectations on him. I don't want to say that Xavier ends up being a starter or doing this or doing that right away, but I got a feeling in due time, that guy is going to be, he's going to make an impact not only on this team, but on teams down the, on this organization down the road. I really, I think when you see him live and we see one on ones with him, you're gonna go. You know what? He's caught everything. They, I'm sure he does because he and Tank Dell were both enormously productive, second yep. and third in NCAA yes. receptions last year. And look, it doesn't always translate, but it means you're productive. It means you catch a lot of balls. Yeah. So let's see if they could do it at the NFL level. The football's the football. You know, Stroud's got to get it to them or whoever's playing quarterback. Yes. There you go. The coaches loved hearing that. The coaches loved the hearing coaches that. The coaches loved that. See, coaches? They loved hearing that. There's mutual love going on here. All right, the linemen. You know I get excited. I really don't, but I just hope they're good. Juice Was there ever a lineman you got excited about? No, I don't get. I don't know what I'm looking at with linemen. I, look, at least I admit it. You have all these guys on the that air who say, oh, so-and-so's not playing well. How do you know? I mean, I can see when a guy whiffs, okay? Yeah. I can yeah. see that. But first of all, play-by-play, play, I'm watching the ball. And yep. I can see when I'm watching games sometimes, oh, yeah, that guy missed a block. I can see those things. But evaluating whether a guy can make the jump, right? are you kidding? Yeah. Big, strong, 300-pound men, can you move the other guy out of the way or not? Or prevent him from getting by you? Yes. That's the situation. And maybe it's that simple, Johnny, but what about Patterson and Scruggs? You know, it's funny. I don't remember seeing Patterson out there today. I don't know why. I I mean, I was looking at all the linemen. We didn't have much time. We didn't have much time out there to see them, and then they went to another side of the field, so we didn't see him too often. But I did see Juice, and I remember going, whoa. He's just put together the way that you'd like for a center or interior lineman to be. Um, it was interesting listening to both D'Amico and Nick talk about Juice, um, what he had been through. Hearing Juice tell his story about how you know he had the car accident at Penn State, but it really gave him perspective. It allowed him to be a better football player. He had a great interview with DP talking about that. Um, I think he's coming here with a great, great mindset. And you know, going back and watching a little bit more of Juice, you realize, okay, 
I get exactly why why they did this. Upper body strength, and you could see it too. Like he's, I mean, you remember some of the linemen. I remember I'm Dwayne coming in here the first time. It was like, yo, he is yoked. And Juice isn't quite that big, mm-hmm. but you can tell that he's not fat. Mm-hmm. He is a big offensive lineman, especially upstairs, or he's very thick. And I'll be curious to see how well he moves, especially in the zone game. Because at Penn State, I thought he he. I thought he moved and had lateral agility for days. There were some people that were trying to pigeonhole him in because he's strong into being just a kind of a you know gap scheme guy where he's just down blocking or double teaming and can get some movement. But I think he can be pretty good in his own game too. So I'm curious to see what – and for offensive linemen, you want to see what it looks like in pads. But just watching linemen move, you can tell, okay, yeah, that, that, that guy's got some movement skills. I think this is going to be okay. And then you match it up with, okay, is he willing – to pop pads and if he is you put those two together and you're like that's the right guy you know you got the right guy and hopefully with both of them hopefully both of them end up being players down the road but you gotta get one of those guys to be an impact player sooner in his career than later okay so college free agents i want to go here with Xavian. would it be Xavian? yeah, yeah. Xavian valade yeah yeah because he spells it x a z correct avian Yes. Xavian. So he's from Arizona State. He was at Wyoming before. Four years at Wyoming and then goes to ASU with the extra year of eligibility. Never averaged under five yards per carry. Carried the ball a lot in college, okay? Carried for 4,466 yards. That's a lot of yards in carry in uh, in college. Yes. There's, In fact, I got to see where he stacks up on some of the all-time lists out west uh, or anywhere. This is a lot of yards. Yeah. And from scrimmage... He caught 37 balls last year, 27 the year before. That's nice as well. He might factor in. D'Amico Ryans was saying on that Chris Long podcast how he wants to run the ball by committee. Well, Valaday might love to be part of that committee, so we'll see if he can make it. But special teams is going to come into play for him because if he makes the team, I got a feeling Dare doesn't. I don't know if there's room right. for both. I'd love to see everybody make the team. We'll see. Maybe that's a little competition worth watching yeah. because they signed Devin Singletary from the Buffalo Bills. So there's a lot to factor in here. But right now, we're just looking at Valaday as a prospect. It's funny because I remember from Wyoming. That's where I remember watching him and thinking, wow, this guy can scoot. I got a note from three years ago. They were playing in one of the opening games. And I remember seeing him then like, man, this guy can move. And Wyoming had a running back named Titus Swen. And Swen ended up being kind of the guy that took over. So Valade was like, oh, I'm going to see what my game can do at a higher level. And so he ended up going to Arizona State. Watch him in East-West, uh, East-West, the game itself. Like, man, he can scoot. He can move. And like you said, when you're a drafted free agent, Arian found this out. I mean, there have been other underdrafted uh, you know, running backs. The running part is going to be your last thing. That's going to be the last part of this. It is pass protection. It is you better know what to do. You better know to block special teams. What can you do on special teams? And then once you have all that covered, the last part is, all right, we'll handle the football and see what you can do. But you better have all those other things taken care of. And, you know, I think, man, especially in this particular offense or a version of this offense, the name that comes to mind all the time is Terrell Davis. And Terrell Davis got to the Broncos. He had been miserable in the first week or so of practice. He had been miserable when they went to Tokyo to practice against the uh, 49ers. Then he ran down on kickoff, 
and was almost ready to give up the sport. He ran down on kickoff, and he blasted the returner. I mean, blasted him. And, Mark, that started everything. That's he it. then got the ball in the fourth quarter. He got, like, four or five carries, and it was like, whoa, this guy's got something. And then he takes off. He ends up becoming a Hall of Famer. So not to say that Valaday is going to the Hall of Fame or anything like that, but the last thing he has to worry about is running the ball. Everything else has got to take step to the forefront. Know what to do. Know who to block. Your pass protection better be on point. And then special teams is going to be where you earn carries. That's where you're going to earn your carries is if you do well in special teams and you know what to do, then they'll give you the rock and you can show what you can do from that standpoint. All right, so Valaday, I want to go back to him as far as the career rushing list goes. Of guys who have played in the last decade, because times have changed, mm -hmm. don't stay in school yep. as long, Yep, he's a top 10 rusher. Really? Right. Of college football running backs who have played in the last wow. decade. He's top 10. I thought he might be higher in the all-time list, but that's not going to happen because no. guys used to play so much. And, you know, running the ball used to be the way people move the football. Yeah. You know, you look at your Charles Whites of the world oh. and Ricky Williams and, you know, you get over 6,000 yards. But Taylor, Jonathan Taylor's number one of guys who have played in the last decade. And he so, played three years. He played three years. I cannot believe that we have to face that guy with Anthony Richardson. I know. But let's just see what did happens, you, shall we? Did you see the Colts schedule release video? Wait, it's which hilarious. one was that? Because I get them all blended. It's I mean, Grove, I know the Titans one. It's Buck and Grove eat the schedule. So they had a chef that made a like a team-specific meal for each team they were going to play, and they had to guess it. They had to guess what team oh. they were playing. And then at the very end, they were taking the plates off, and then they went to where somebody had his back to the, the dishwasher, and they go, hey, Pierce, Alec Pierce, who's a rookie last yeah. year, all right, your shift is over. New guy's coming in. He's like, oh, thank God. He throws his he throws his uh, his apron down, and then Anthony Richardson walks in. He kind of looks around like, what's up? And what he's got I this do? confused look on his face, and then he starts cleaning the dishes that they ate off of. It was really well done. I was like, that was that was pretty good. So Not bad. Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, man. All right, calm down. That's the home opener, by the way. Week two, tickets available at Ticketmaster, Ooh. just to let you know, folks. Okay, coming up, a little bit more on what we saw today at Rookie Minicamp. Also, position group breakdown, the quarterbacks, which we'll probably do once a week. But... It's a, an initial sort of look, maybe, now that Stroud is here and practicing. We want to take a closer look at that. And legendary local sports personality, media, retires. We'll get to that as well. It's Texans Radio. Great to have you listening on the ride home or wherever you are going right now. If you're listening to this via podcast while you're walking your dog at night, that's how I listen to a lot of stuff. So welcome. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, we've been talking about rookie minicamp, C.J. Stroud. Fun to see him and the rest of the guys today. Johnny, any other undrafted free agents we need to get to that deserve some attention here? They all deserve attention. We hope they're all awesome. But any other thoughts on the guys you have on this list? Jared Wayne from Pitt was, and having watched Kenny Pickett last year and then watching the Pitt offense this year, because Pitt had a few players. I love their running back, Israel, Bonaconda. Um, Carter Warren was tackling. I mean, that, that's a player. So it was fun watching Pitt. Got to see Jared Wayne a little bit. Receiver. Big, big physical guy. Big physical guy. Go up and get it. Um, I was I was pleased to see him in the undrafted uh, free agent group. Um, we talked about Valaday. Allie Gay was a guy that I saw at the Senior Bowl. And 
when you see him, you're like, wow. I mean, he's put together with probably 0% body fat, 265, 6'5", um, 6'6", six, six, physical. He's just he's, – he's kind of stiff. But, man, when you see him, you're blown away. At the Senior Bowl, he just struggled. He's just not real twitchy. It'd almost be better if Gay could put on 15 pounds and get to 280 and move inside. That that would probably be something. That you know, again, I don't know how people could put on on pounds, but I do. Killian Zierer is an interesting guy. Athletic, came from uh, Germany and played at Auburn, and it's kind of like Bernard Ryman too from the Colts, who played at Central Michigan. When you see these guys that haven't grown up really playing the game. There's a sniff. There's a stiffness to them. They don't really have. They have athleticism, but there's a difference. And you know this because you've seen this. A guy yeah. can be athletic, but then you watch him play a particular position, and he gets stiff doing it. I felt like watching him at Auburn. There was a little bit of that, but I'm like, man, this guy's got athletic skills for days. So at that point, if you can get a guy like that, and especially a lineman, lineman's not going to get a lot of publicity during training camp, right? So that's the kind of guy that you can probably hide on practice squad and give him some more time, teach him the way you want him to do things yeah, yeah. and see what he can become down the road. He's really intriguing to me just because I think he is a ball of moldable clay that you could have some fun with. Spend a year in the program kind yes, of thing. Absolutely. Try out guys. They had four of them out there today, including a corner from Notre Dame, Tariq Bracey. Anybody worth mentioning here? Yeah. Kyle Rell's guy at uh, UAB. Yeah, we uh, saw him walking out yeah, there as well. It, it feels like he was at UAB for a long time. <laughs> I feel like he was there forever. Now he's, he's 25. Tw he's but, 25. Um, but he's the one that uh, that I would say. Tariq Bracey, obviously, had seen at Notre Dame. But there was only four of them. And the thing with a tryout player, we've seen it happen before. We've seen tryout players bump undrafted signed free agents before. That's happened um, because the undrafted uh, player or the tryout player comes in, impresses, and you're like, man, we got to have that guy around. And then the numbers – end up moving a guy out of a spot. So from the standpoint, from that standpoint, it puts a, a pretty tough onus on those guys. But look, you there's some guys that have taken tryouts. They took a tryout last week, and they take a tryout this week. I saw a number of guys that were doing that just so they could get more eyeballs on what they could sure. do and what they are physically. So um, let me interested to see if any of these four bump any of the guys that they signed, but they at least got the opportunity over the weekend to show what they could do. I'm in an NFL building. All right, quarterback position group. We know who we have because E.J. Perry was released this week, the team announced. So you know you have C.J. Stroud, you know you have Case Keenum, and you have Davis Mills. And I know there was speculation, John McClain speculating earlier on, maybe a couple of months ago, that they might trade Mills or cut him or whatever. I think he said trade him. Yep. I don't know what you get for Mills in a trade, but I don't think you trade Davis Mills. We'll see. Maybe no. they're planning on doing it as we speak. I don't know. But Davis Mills, look at this league. Look at the way things play out at the quarterback position. Look at the San Francisco 49ers, who yeah. D'Amico just came from, and this a lot of the staff. I just look at it and say, you need depth. He's mm -hmm. played a lot of football. He still has potential. He's got a lot of starts under his belt. If you had to go to him, you'd go to him, right? right? I mean, look at right. what's out there for you as yeah. insurance. And Keenum obviously has started a ton of games and won a lot of big games and that kind of thing. He's been in a lot of big games, so I love having him on this roster. I don't know how they're going to do the backup thing if Stroud ends up being the starter. I would imagine it would be Keenum, but you never know what they're thinking internally. And maybe we get out there for OTAs and Keenum's running with the ones and they're going to let Stroud work his way up or have to win it or however that all works out. We'll find out soon enough, folks. 
but they are where they are right now. It's May. They're sorting it all out. Yeah, you're exactly right. I feel, you know, people ask me this about the draft all the time. Do you like this guy? Do you like this guy? And I'm like, oh, I hate him in the first round. But I like him in rounds five or six. Yeah. I love yeah. him in, in rounds yeah. five or it's six. It's a value thing. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a value thing. And I, and I kind of I look at Davis and I think, you know, last year as a starter, I mean, look, I'm not going to say I hate him, but there, there were some struggles. This offense really struggled, um, you know, last year. But I think Davis is the kind of guy you do not want to, I don't want to use the word to get rid of, move on from. Throw out the baby with the bathwater. Right. Kind of I mean, I think there's a lot of football that he still has left to play. And who knows when, I don't know, maybe the, maybe the light goes on with this offense. Maybe it's hearing it in a different way. Maybe it's more comfortability with this. Maybe just the, the lack of expectations will help him relax and just sling it like we know he can sling it. So maybe that's all, that's all part of it. But to me, it's all kind of insurance. It's all insurance because you like to think building this thing the way that we talked about, CJ's going to be the guy at some point. It's just a matter of when. But if Case and Davis are playing, and let's say Case and Davis are the two, however they do it you know, early on when they do OTAs and all that kind of stuff, if they're playing well, I mean, it's going to force CJ to have to play even at a higher clip. That's great. They're competing with one another and uh, hopefully pushing each other to get uh, each other to get better. But we know it's going to turn over to seven at some point. We know mm -hmm. that. It's just a matter of when. And when it does, then those two become a, a resource for CJ. And they've seen some things. Both of them have. But I certainly do not want to move Davis Mills at all because you may need a game where it's got to be Davis for maybe it can't be Case or maybe they pick Davis and he's number two. I, I don't know how all that goes together. But there's going to be a time where you're going to have to go to a second quarterback this year. I mean, Hopefully you, not. you're lucky. You're lucky if it's one quarterback for right. the whole year. No, you're right. You're right. It, it's, it's a lot to expect for right. somebody to be available for all 17 games, especially if it turns out to be a rookie starter like right. C.J. Stroud. One thing about Stroud that I noticed today – that this is just my Vander observation, and I've seen this Kubiakian system before, yep. and I know it's got to be a little different. They've tweaked, whatever. But right away, they're running on air, this bootleg thing, and I'm thinking, okay, there it is. That's, mm -hmm. that's yep. bread and butter seen for that this before. offense. Yes. This is just a part of it. But just watching him move around the practice field, quick. He's quick. He's light on yeah, his yeah. feet, and he's quick. He's strong. But he's quick. Mm -hmm. And you can just see it the way he moves his body, right? Yep. And I want to see a whole lot more than I saw today. But that was nice to see. And I thought, okay, you know, he's clearly an elite athlete. And we all know he's a very accomplished passer so far in his career, where he's been. And we want to see it happen at this level. You know, something you just said made me think because you were talking about there's more to be seen. The first thing I did when you said that was think about training camp. Can you imagine what a mob scene training camp is going to be? It's going to be a mob scene. It's, it's, it's going to be, be fantastic. The, t the training camp tickets, Johnny, oh. they were hot last year. And especially now the way they do training camp and it's covered in the stands. Yeah. That's big. That's huge. I mean, people have been here since the beginning. You don't even have to have been here since the beginning. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. who are here when those those uh, benches, all right, the bleachers, yeah. it was like sitting in an oven. Right. right? And those, they would do it. baked. They would do it. They would pack them in mm -hmm. early. Now – Everything's covered over there, and people want to be a part of it. They wanted to last year. Can you have – and look, 
I know it didn't work out with Cully and Lovey. I love the way Cully would talk to the fans before yeah. practice. Yeah. And Lovey did it every once in a while. But can you imagine this year? It, the first it, day of practice? Training camp is going to be a tough ticket. The first day of training camp is going to be... It's a madhouse. It I mean, always it, is crowded, but I this mean, year. you're going to have FOMO if you're not there. I mean, it's... Yeah. I'll be there. It's going to be, be there. It's going to be a media circus. Texans Radio will be there. Yes, we will. All right, so if that Patriot game is early, training camp begins a little early, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yes. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have mm-hmm. some fun covering this thing. We're going to do Texans Radio from camp. You know we will. First 10 business days, 8 to 10 a.m. live. We'll have tons of coverage on the website, etc., and on the Texans app, all our social media platforms. Coming up, Mark Berman retired. Where does he stack up in the Houston media sports landscape historically, Johnny? I want your thoughts on this. He is an all-time great at the very least. Let's discuss that. And you think about some of your favorites as you're tuning in. It's Texans Radio. All right, final segment. We go beyond the blue lot a bit because around here for a long time since the beginning of franchise history, Mark Berman has been covering the team for Fox 26. And Mark Berman's been around for a long time, obviously. This is a, what, 37-year career at Fox, I believe, and 43 in the city for Mark Berman. I believe that's what his his, uh, tweet said, announcing his retirement coming up in June. It's funny because I was listening to In the Loop when the story broke, Mm. and Figgy said, is this going to be a John McClain retirement (laughs) where he's still working? John McClain retired, and he didn't retire. He actually works more now probably than ever. Yes. Because he traveled to see the Astros, and he goes to all these other events Mm -hmm. because of the gallerysports.com thing, and he might be doing more than ever. Anyway, but Berman announced no more Fox 26. I would presume that's it. He's so hardworking. He's the greatest story breaker in the history of the city. I knew about Mark Berman before I lived in Houston. Really? He's that pronounced that prolific as a story breaker because he broke a story butch davis interviewed for the texans job about a year before i got here yeah and butch was interviewing for nfl jobs because after the 2000 hurricane season Mm -hmm. they beat the gators in the sugar bowl and then he interviewed shortly after then he was gone to cleveland that was it and Berman broke the story. Is it KRIV? Mm-hmm. You always saw that in the wire copy, if you will. Kids, wire copy was never mind. But you always saw that. His call letters of his station, because he was breaking those stories. He worked yep. so hard. It's unbelievable. I, I, I tweeted out, he, he's, he's the best I've ever been around and the hardest working media member I think I've ever seen. And it really came to, it, you see him so often, and I knew all that, but I got invited to go to U of H basketball game, uh, lat, not 2023 season, 2022 season. It was one of the last games at home. It was against SMU. It was near the end of the year. And so I was there, and I was there just in a, you know, I was with my friend Don, and he brought me there. And so I look up at some point, and, you know, kind of where the media is, and there's really nobody there. And then I see one head, and it's Berman. Yep. He's covering the Cougar basketball yeah. game on that Sunday. Yeah. And I'm just – I'm blown away, and I saw him, and he made his way over, and of course, Mark knows everybody. Everybody knows Mark, and so he's talking to us, and I just said, I said, Mark, do you never take a day off? And he's like, why would I do that? Yeah. I mean, he took so much pride in his work, but he was so good at it, and you know, this is the other thing, too, I think. You you know, I think about 
you know, you, I think about a lot of, um, you know, play-by-play announcers. I think about all those SEC guys that endear themselves to a particular area because of how much they care about the organization they cover, about the people that cheer for that organization. Mark knew what his, his you know, job was, but you could tell that he cared about every Houston team. Every Houston yep. team mattered to him. Mm-hmm. And that mattered to the people of this, of this city. Uh, and it just, he was, you know, last year, probably, you know, when the Astros are making their run, he's got to go follow the Astros. So he was gone from here for like three, four, five weeks. That was killing him not it to was, be here. He was killing him. It was killing us. Yeah. It was killing me not to say. He just, he meant that much to me, to all of us. Um, it's it's a tough day. I mean, it's been, what, over the last couple of years where John McClain and, and Mark Berman have, have well, John's, John's here probably more than he's ever been, seemingly. He so. is and he's not. He's not right. here every day on the right. beat anymore. Right. But his presence is always felt. Yeah. And he's on the air all the time. And that's, so and those two around. that those two carried such a presence in press conferences um, and just being around. There was yeah. such a gravitas towards both of them. And every single coach that I've seen come through these this building understands that. Yeah. And knows that and gets that and would treat them with that same respect. So, um, congrats, Mark. I mean, that's uh, a hell that's of a incredible. career. What a, a run. A what an absolute a, run. I got to tell you this when I was doing radio at Sports Radio 610 Morning Drive, right? And had to prepare for a show every day and obviously use the web, you, the web. You use whatever material you yeah. can find, right? right? And I'm reading all the local stuff. And I always recorded his sportscast at night on Fox 26 because he always had a little something extra. He had an extra interview. He had an extra nugget or two, at Mm -hmm. the very least, something you would learn. And that always helped me get to know the city a little bit better when I was starting out, especially after I got here in 02. But there's a thing, uh, a thing, an hour-long special on NFL Network called Houston 93. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a football life? Yeah, it was football football life. It was in that family of football life. Houston 93. Google it, find it, watch it, because you'll see Berman there Mm -hmm. and McLean, and it's the Oilers in 1993, which isn't that long ago. I know it is to some of you kids. It's 30 years ago. I know, but Berman was around way before that. But you see Berman there, and it is mind-blowing that Houston 93 was nine years before the start of Texans history. That's crazy. I know Texans history actually started earlier in 99 when they were awarded the franchise, but you get my drift. Absolutely. Here's the other thing, too. Yeah. As we moved into a digital age of Twitter and social media, et cetera, how often did we see something, news break, whether it was about the Texans or anywhere else, and go, has Berman got it yet? Yeah. That's well, that's who you want it to be from. That was the confirmation. Or McLean, but Berman yeah. breaks all sports, right, exactly. all news, and that's how it is. Right. All right. And typically he was the first one to do it, but then there were times you'd see it and you go, Well, has Berman confirmed it yet? Because that's when I'll believe it. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. He doesn't mess around. All right. Congratulations, Mark. And thank you for listening to the show tonight. It'll be up in podcast form soon enough. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans.